Psalm 45 To the choir master, a mascal of the sons of Korah, a love song. My heart overflows with a pleasing theme. I address my verses to the king. My tongue is like the pen of a ready scribe. You are the most handsome of the sons of men. Grace is poured upon your lips. Therefore God has blessed you forever. Gird your sword on your thigh, O mighty one, in your splendor and majesty. In your majesty ride out victoriously for the cause of truth and meekness and righteousness. Let your right hand teach you awesome deeds. Your arrows are sharp in the heart of the king's enemies. The peoples fall under you. Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of your kingdom is a scepter of uprightness. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. Your robes are all fragrant with myrrh and aloes and cassia. From ivory palaces, stringed instruments make you glad. Daughters of kings are among your ladies of honor. And at your right hand stands the queen in gold of Ophir. Hear, O daughter, and consider and incline your ear. Forget your people and your father's house. And the king will desire your beauty. Since he is your Lord, bow to him. The people of Tyre seek your favor with gifts, the richest of the peoples. All glorious is the princess in her chamber, with robes interwoven with gold. In many colored robes she is led to the king, with her virgin companions following behind her. With joy and gladness they are led along as they enter the palace of the king. In place of your fathers shall be your sons. You will make them princes in all the earth. I will cause your name to be remembered in all generations. Therefore, nations will praise you forever and ever. Amen. This psalm is rather unique in the Bible, for it belongs in a group of songs that was used in the wedding of a king. The verses indicate that he was to marry a maiden or princess from Tyre, and God would give him love and joy in the relationship. The king would know the love of a woman, and this would bring him great blessing. In Israel, the monarchy was closely associated with God himself, for though he had a representative on earth, a man like David or Solomon, he was their true and only sovereign. Scholars are split on how to understand this psalm, how to apply it to our situation today. One way that seems most appropriate is to use the figure of Christ as the interpretive key. Christians often do this with the Old Testament, for they understand Christ as the figure the Old Testament scriptures are pointing to, from Genesis to the last of the prophets. Christ is the fulfillment of all the promises of the Old Testament. We see this even in the New Testament books where Paul or one of the evangelists write of Christ and point out that what was first hinted at in the Old Testament was brought to life or fulfilled in their person, the person of Jesus. For instance, we all know that Jonah was swallowed by the whale, but we often forget that it was three days in that belly before the prophet was spit out on the beach. That's in the Old Testament. Christ himself used this, cited it in Matthew chapter 12. 
Jonah was in the big fish for three days and nights and then spit up onto dry land. Jesus said this was a picture of him being in the earth for three days and nights and then resurrecting. In other words, Jesus fulfills the promise of Jonah. Other types of reflections from the Old Testament that Jesus fulfills is that he is the new Adam. This is Paul in 1 Corinthians and also in Romans. He is also the true ladder into heaven that Jacob saw. And this is Jesus speaking in John chapter 1. And finally, Christ is the Passover lamb, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians. He says this, he says, For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed for us. All of these, and there are more, point out that Christ is the fulfillment of the Old Testament scriptures, and there is no understanding them outside of him. If we read Psalm 45 with this mindset, it opens up to us a rich new meaning. In this psalm, the narrator shifts his focus about halfway through, first focusing on the king, the bridegroom, and then on his bride. In the middle, there is a key to its ultimate meaning. We read, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of your kingdom is the scepter of uprightness. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you. Did you notice that here in these lines, God is being addressed as king, only at the end to have it say that God would uh, anoint the king, that man about to marry? The structure is very awkward, making it seem that the author cannot make up his mind who he's talking to. That is, unless the man and God are the same person, which in Jesus Christ we know it is. David, Solomon, or whatever earthly king was the first object of this song, was only a pre-shadow of the one who was to come, the perfect king, anointed by his father to rule forever. But if the king is Christ, who is the bride? Well, it is his church, us, In the Gospels, Jesus is named as the bridegroom, and in Paul's epistle to the Ephesians, chapter 5, the marriage of a man and woman is compared to the relationship of Christ and the church. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul says that the church at Corinth is a spouse to Christ. For I am jealous over you with a godly jealousy, for I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. For over two millennia, the church has understood herself to be the bride of Christ. In the book of Revelation, Christ comes back to assume his throne and to be joined with his bride. Psalm 45 is a pre-shadowing or hint of all this. It speaks of the great joy in seeing the majesty of the bridegroom, Jesus, the Son of God, joined with his beautiful bride, us, the church. What will that day be like? According to the psalmist, it will be a day of joy and gladness, where all will see the beauty of the bride, the beauty of his church, and then know the glory of the king. Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus. Let us pray. Our beloved King, we look to you as one we owe everything to. Our life is nothing without you. 
and you declare us the object of your love and attention. Help us to prepare ourselves, your church, for that day when you come for us. And with blessed hope, may we keep our gaze to the horizon, looking forward to the consummation of all your promises. May that moment when all of us who are the Father's children will join you forever, may that moment come quickly. In your holy name do we pray this. Amen and amen.